0: You can't eat an elephant, but it's gotta be one bite at a time. Consider the fair warning. We talk fast, we move fast, we swear fast. So if you're listening at 2x speed, you may miss some content, but you also miss the F-bombs. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Vanessa. And I'm Holland. You're listening to Ask Your Work Wife, where every week we answer your questions about how to get more out of corporate America.
1: This is Laurel from Evansville, Indiana. My question is around how to communicate urgency. I'm in an operations role, and I'm dealing with a situation in which people are used to doing things last minute. I think everyone knows the current way of doing things sucks, but how do you get them to change? I am particularly excited about this question because I... I'm an operations professional. Yeah. I've come up through ops. So <laughs> yes. like it's perfect for us. The answer is, Laurel, you need to understand
0: everything you're dealing with, every person, every deliverable, every deadline from top to bottom. Seems intimidating as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but the only way to really like understand how to communicate urgency is that is that like whole systemic holistic view. You can't eat an elephant, but it's gotta be one bite at a time. All right,
1: Laurel diving all the way into your question around how to communicate urgency as an operations professional. And I do want to make a distinction here. The answer changes if you're not an ops.
0: Yeah. The only reason ops can do what we're about to do is because they come from the side. If you're sitting at the bottom where you're not an operations professional, you're never going to see the whole thing. You might see your whole vertical from the bottom up. That's like looking at the sun from the bottom of the pool. <laughs> you kind of know it's there, but it's very weird looking. You might not even know that the sun's round. Exactly. Sucks to be you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get your ass covered, I guess. <laughs> but opposites to the side of most organizational structures, so they can communicate to the top and the bottom at the same time. And they have the ability to, to exactly what Holland's going to tell you, he's like, understand the whole system.
1: So, yeah. So the first thing you have to do, Laurel, is understand understand every part of the system in which you're operating. That's people, that's deliverables, that's timelines. That is a lot. And we appreciate that. So before we dive into how to do this, the way I like to think about this, especially for folks like you, who I'm sure are ambitious and want to get the job done right, is to aim for 80% on this. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think like I think a lot of us, and this was this is my experience in operations, is like I want it to be perfect the first time, mm. but that's actually a barrier to progress because
0: <laughs> you <laughs> are dealing with humans in a system. Like, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: exactly. So your first try, as great as it might be, will never be perfect, and the system is always changing. It's in perpetual motion. Allow yourself the grace of understanding the system to the best that you can within a maybe a given time frame or with most facts in the picture most puzzle pieces in the picture and then start actioning on it that's that's my little advice to you is like don't wait for perfection in order to start actioning on this system
0: and part of the understanding is going to be understanding the the people in the system, and who takes longer than others to get shit done. Who your executors are that are naturally going to take some more time. Who are the people that are just like passing information one side of the desk to the other. They're going to take less time and probably just need a little nudge. It, that That's part of this understanding and actioning that that Holland's talking about. It's like really not only understanding like how like how it should work, but how it does work. Like anytime that I've had to go in and like understand a system and then retrain people i find that there's three there's three versions of how a system operates there's what the ceo thinks happens there's what exists on paper and then there's how it really happens these things are never, ever, ever outlined. So what you're trying to get at is how does it really happen? What are those little tiny workarounds that people are using in their day-to-day life that might not be written down, but that work for them or that are not working for them or that are not working for other people? Like I might have a workaround that does not work for Holland and that's <laughs> causing a crisis, right? My favorite question to ask somebody, especially when you're dealing with the executors, people can take a lot of time, is to ask them, how would you best like to receive requests? and then work backwards from there in your system. Because that's if that's the bottleneck, if that's the thing that's going to take a long time, like my most recent experience with this was with a color corrector in our photography department. Every single photo that went out the building of a $3 billion company <laughs> who had its own magazine in multiple languages in 18 countries across the world, <laughs> every single photo needed to be color corrected. We had one color corrector on staff. He's amazing, doing great work, but like He's the person who literally touches everything, which just means that he's a massive bottleneck. He's one person, right? So I started with him and I was like, if I can make his life happy and understand exactly how all information comes to him and how he'd like it to come to him, then the rest of the system will just fall into place. And for
1: bottleneck people especially, but really for everyone, part of this interview process will also be, how long does this take you? Mm -hmm. Ideally. Ideally. In your
0: ideal world... (laughs) All the caveats and asterisks. Yeah, a big asterisk and a tiny eye roll. (laughs) Maybe a big eye roll, I don't know. Like, how long would you like to have to do this? Like, Mm -hmm. that makes your life worth living.
1: How you're finding this out, Laurel, is going to be a reconnaissance mission (laughs) you're diving all the way in and you're doing that with everyone involved Mm -hmm. active listening all the notes Mm -hmm. you're conducting interviews basically with every executor stakeholder person in this system to understand how they think it works where they think the problems are and what they need in order to do their jobs that's basically what you need to come out of these interviews with and I don't care if you think you know you need to go either validate that information or find the fuck out Once you have all of that information, people, processes, deliverables, ideal scenarios. Human yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. You create a set of timelines and there are four of them.
0: Yes. There is a drop dead deadline. That is the deadline that like it must be done or you're going to miss something else. I, I learned this the most in magazines. If you miss your date with the printer, you're fucked because they're not going to hold the press for anyone. So like you do not fuck up with your printer, <laughs> period. From there, you put in a little bit of buffer and establish your hard deadline. This is the one that, like, upper management knows is the end all be all. They actually don't understand what happens between your hard deadline and your drop <laughs> deadline. And you want to keep it that way, yeah. right? Because if upper management thinks that your hard deadline is actually a drop dead deadline, they will push to meet your next deadline, which is your soft deadline, mm-hmm. right? This is the one that's most widely published to everyone. Upper management, lower management, middle management, vendors. Like this is the deadline everybody's working towards. But your upper management understands there's a bit of a buffer between your soft and your hard because they think the hard is the drop deadline. <laughs> in the back of your head, you're like, you know what? If I hustle, I know that like I need to end a day Friday, but really it doesn't have to go to the printer until Monday. And I have a whole weekend I can work on. Like that's that's going to be your how those three deadlines relate to each other. And then even out ahead of the soft deadline is the would like to have. Like, hey, guys, it would be nice if I could have this Monday, but I'll take it as late as Thursday. That's usually your language around that. And then when someone comes to you Thursday, I'm like, oh, my God, I had a fire, blah, blah, blah. blah. And like, then you say, great, I need it Tuesday. That's your hard deadline when really, you know, you have to ship it to the printer on Friday. Like that's, you <laughs> yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. That's how that works.
1: With all of those <laughs> <laughs> deadline options, you're able to manage the entire system because you have all of that
0: in place. What this will do for you, setting these deadlines out ahead of you, is actually remove the need for urgency. Because right now, it sounds like your team is just used to like, oh my God, it's due tomorrow. Let's like all hands, ordering Chinese, we're going to be here all night kind of thing. That's not sustainable for anyone. You're going to get a lot of burnout, a lot of employee churn. I'm sure you're already feeling this, Laurel. Like, So the way that you communicate urgency is actually by not making it urgent, by running your deadlines way out ahead of you.
1: The other way to get ahead of it or to reduce the urgency altogether is to handhold the process. Uh-huh. People will eventually get used to a new system on their own. They will. I know it feels like they won't. They will eventually. They do learn. They're they're a little dense, but
0: they will learn.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. Change is hard. Um, But the first time that you're, this is a key word for you, piloting. Favorite word of mine, because it feels (laughs) non-threatening. Piloting a new
0: system. I love that. I know. I'm going to start using it. Please.
1: <laughs> Stolen it's a pilot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first time that you're quote unquote piloting this process, this new process, with this new system with the four rolling deadlines, you handled it every step of the way. Every VP, every manager, every director, every associate, and every person in between. And you just make it feel so easy for
0: them. It, it's almost like you're doing them a bit of a favor. Like, hey, VP, uh, there are a couple of people on the team, a couple of other VPs, And put a little pressure on it a couple other vps who have been you know talking about christmas it's june do you guys have any idea what you're doing for christmas yet christmas promotions christmas products like no oh no i have no idea let me let me see if i can help you out with that right and then you just go do it for a minute and then you kind of pop back in as it needs to move to the next stage on your timeline yes and just let them know that you've like done this for them or like you're gonna like get with their team to brainstorm some stuff That way you're modeling this behavior to them and you're showing them how far ahead they need to be thinking. I I run into this problem all the time with clients. I work at an agency, I have my own clients. Like No one actually realizes how far ahead they need to be in their content. Magazines have this down to an art. No one gets how far ahead you need to plan content better than a magazine because they do have that drop dead deadline for the printer. We used to travel in, you know, the summer of let's call it 2021 for the articles in summer issues of 2022 at the publication house I worked at. That's as far as you needed to be. Mm -hmm. Like right now, it's September. September Vogue just hit my mailbox. Anna Wintour starts planning next year's September Vogue, October 1st. She just does. It's a year long project. That's how far ahead she's thinking about it. All photo shoots for that issue of next September are going to be shot. Sometime in the next six months. So by March, all the photo shoots are done. Not oh, wild. It's absolutely incredible, but I like
1: for me it's like obvious. As an mm-hmm. ops professional, you, me, Laurel, we get it. Mm-hmm. We know that December
0: <laughs> products have to be ready to go. Yeah. There's a reason <laughs> I used to call this Christmas in July. Like you guys, if you're not thinking about Christmas by July, you have a problem. You're already
1: behind. Mm-hmm. The thing is that when you're hand holding this process and the outcome of a gorgeous smooth launch that's been handheld every step of the way. People are going to love it. Mm-hmm. They're going to love it so much that you won't have to convince them
0: next time. And they'll, you don't have to do as much handholding either. It's and, perfect. And as soon as you announce to them, they're like, hey, all your December content is done and it's like October. They're going to be like, wait a second. It's done? And then and then you like slide in there. Yeah, we should be thinking about Mother's Day. And then you hand them your timeline. You say, hi, these are your timelines for Mother's Day. All of this is about reducing the need for friction on your quote
1: unquote pilot test <laughs> so that everything goes <laughs> smooth and wonderful and you're amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: If you want bite-sized information on how to get more out of your daily corporate grind, follow us on Instagram at askyourworkwife. Laurel we've been speaking to you as if like you're creating something from scratch which it sounds like you are but just in case anybody out there is dealing with a system that is in place and you've checked your deadlines part of you researching your system is understanding like oh the deadlines are actually where they ought to be like Mm -hmm. there are these like would like to have soft hard and drop dead deadlines if that exists already and you're just having a problem with people turning in their work first of all welcome to every group project that has ever been (laughs) enacted on the face of the planet um and second like Part of your research on the system and understanding it is not only understanding the people and the information at play, but also where the pressure points are, and if you can leverage any of that pressure to your advantage. My favorite example of of like finding these little pressure points is in a role I had as a social a corporate social media manager. I was brought on because the company, i.e. the CEO, understood they needed to do something about their social media presence. No one in the building could get this done for them, apparently, so they hired externally. So I was brought in, and from the beginning had a directive from the president of the company. You need to manage our social and you're going to set up a system that doesn't exist. So I set the system up, right? As the system was running, we got into a year of it. It was fantastic. Everything's going well. I I ran into this problem of like people not understanding that the deadline is a real deadline. And social media for a lot of people is like the, their lowest priority. I'm dealing with a whole bunch of brand managers who have to worry about like whether or not the cap is going to screw on other products going to leak out in shipping and like whether that means they can ship it on ground or air. Like, is their product flammable? I don't know. Those were the fires they were. Tra- There's a strong fire theme in this conversation. <laughs> all of a sudden. Those are the fires they're trying to put out during their day. So like whether or not they have like a cute little wiggly social media gif going public that day was literally not their biggest concern what was happening is I was getting content the same day it was supposed to publish. uh yeah. Uh-huh. Unacceptable. for a Massive company. I was yeah. like, what are we doing? Yeah. So I, I had the same problem of like, okay, the system should exist. All the timelines are right. It, it is, it is an important thing. It's, it's how I get measured on my job because it's my only job. So in talking about this with my manager, I was really frustrated. She's frustrated. We're both in ops. We're like, she's not getting out the door. Right. And, and what it looks like is, We're not doing our job. Now, they also had this regular monthly meeting with the CEO, the president and all the VPs. My manager brought this up in that meeting. She's like, hey, just as an FYI, like we're not getting the kind of content you need. The CEO was livid. He's like, is that why I'm not seeing all my brands equally represented? And no one really knew what he was talking about. Like, what do you mean not equally represented? Turns out every morning he opened up Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he was looking at. I was like, so the thing that none of these VPs have been giving the time of day, more than five minutes in their day, suddenly became a top priority because they finally learned that the CEO every morning, first thing when he gets out of bed, brushes his teeth, looks at Instagram and keeps track of how often he's seeing his brands. And if they're not equally represented, he's coming down on you. She came out of that meeting grinning like a Cheshire cat. and was like, Vanessa, I have some news for you. And I was like, perfect. I had the pressure that I needed from the top in order to enforce a deadline because I had that built-in urgency, right? I understood the pressure that I could use to communicate urgency. This can't be your lowest priority. This has to be as important as making sure that your product can fly in the air rather than <laughs> have to ground trip it, right? Like yeah. that, that That's where it came from for me. So I was like, oh, great. With that understanding of where that pressure point was coming from, I built an email system where we could communicate that pressure and that urgency to all levels from the VPs all the way down to the cute little brand associates. The first email was to the VP that said, Hey, VP, high level. This is the stuff I need from you in the coming month and your team. That second email was to the people actually executing the work. This is more detailed, more actionable in the weeds of like, here's the forms you need to fill out and the paperwork you need to do. And like all the bullshit. Right. But my secret hack was Making sure that on the VP only email, it was BCC'd to everyone else on their team. So they understood that their VP knew that I'd made this request. And then on the email to everyone else on the team, I CC'd their VP. So Ah. they got it twice that Mm -hmm. like, no, she's fucking serious. Like, and my VP knows it and they're going to be held accountable to that because the VP was suddenly incentivized to hold them accountable for social media because that pressure was coming from the CEO. If I'd done that without understanding that pressure point, I, I would just be i would just be laughed at the building because everyone and their mother would have told me, this is not our biggest priority, you sort it out. And then it'd be content creating for 20 different brands.
1: Ugh, I know, God. dumb. So you got the VPs mm-hmm. to communicate down to their teams because you understood the pressure from the CEO, mm-hmm. and then you got everyone on their team to do their jobs,
0: Because the VP was all of a sudden CC'd in those motherfucking emails. Yes. I love it. Mm -hmm. And the VP, like that high level information for the VP was these deadlines. These like would like to have and the soft and even the hard deadlines. And they're incentivized to follow up with their team. Hi, where is this? Because like the next month I'm going to have a meeting with the CEO and I need to be able to show him. If I have 20% of the brands in this building, I need to have 20% of the posts in the next month. Ugh. Mm -hmm. Tell me what happened. Literally the next day, I had meeting requests, meeting requests, meeting requests. People had already had social media posts. Just like fast-tracked and put them on my desk. I was like, oh, suddenly I have like six months worth of content. Fantastic. Didn't have a problem after that. Incredible. All just because you understood the pressures of the system. Yeah.
1: The pressures on the people in the system. Totally. Ugh. Well done. That's great. So for you, Laura, like understand where the directive is coming from. Do you, as an ops professional, report directly to the CEO? Can you have that conversation? What can your manager tell you? What can you observe? What can you find out in these conversations?
0: What's the direction of the company? Like up until this point, this company didn't really care about social media. Forgive them that it was the 21st century. It's cool. But like, yeah, suddenly it was a directive. That directive had been communicated once to a group of VPs, but it wasn't embedded in the company culture. So if you're looking for these pressure points or if there is a pivot or if there is something that, like, you know, is an ops professional, just check with your manager. How else has that been communicated? Does anybody else understand that this is the CEO's, like, yeah. wish? Yeah. Right? So when Holland says it's a recon project, she's serious. Like, this needs to be not only, like, the fact-finding of the actual facts, but also, like, the, like, general feeling and sentiment towards whatever ops project you're trying to move through.
1: There's hard research and soft research yes. almost. Yes, mm-hmm. Totally. Laurel, I understand that while we're telling you to build a new system and handhold the pilot and (laughs) do all this research, you're also probably having to run the current existing system Mm -hmm. as it currently exists Mm -hmm. for better or for worse. And what that means for you is more work. There's no other way to slice it because if you're not researching, creating, building, handholding the new system, no one's going to do it. No. And it's your job. So no one else is going to
0: do it. Yeah, like they can't see the system. That's why at the top we talked about like an ops professional will see the system because they actually have to work on all levels of the system.
1: Everyone else is only in one vertical or one horizontal or one like little swim lane of that system.
0: They literally can't see it, even if they tried. And also they're
1: not incentivized to care. Mm -mm. They're not not being judged and not like you are. That's right.
0: (laughs) And like (laughs) if they get asked to do that, they should ask, where's my raise?" And that's what you're going to ask after you do this, but okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Laurel, just like... Consider this a season of your career where you're investing in this type of reconnaissance, this type of system building, this type of handholding to get to the other side. It'll take a few iterations, but it'll get easier every time. And every time it happens more smoothly, more people will get on board more quickly. And sidebar, you'll be very respected and very promotable.
0: Yeah, your one-on-one should have systematized and optimized, saved us 10 hours, 20 hours, 30 hours, 400 man hours, 600 man hours. The process that we had in place when I started took us, you know, six months and now it's down to three weeks like Mm -hmm. those are the type of numbers you want to make sure you're quantifying in your statuses and your one-on-ones and your requests for raises every single month yeah we're back to where's my raise? first question (laughs) yeah first question of a (laughs) one-on-one
1: so laurel like go off go to get it done
0: we love a good ops question
1: got a question for ask your work wife Record your question and email the recording to help at Include your name, your city if you want, and whatever context might be useful for us to know. And don't forget to start with Hey, Workwives!
0: piloting a new system. We're piloting a new way for you to get your shit together. You're welcome, Vanessa. <laughs> That's how I would use it, which is my <laughs> Let me help you get your shit all the way together. You're fucking welcome. All the people skills in the world and yet
1: and yet, here we are.